0: Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It almost felt like we should keep on singing and praying, right? uh, there's There's a song that we sing. There's a feeling in the air that God is everywhere. And then it says, and his resurrection power, there's life in the Lord. There's life in Christ. Your faith should give you the strength to make it through the day or whatever it is that you're facing. And as we look along the congregation and even folks watching us online, I mean, I can't see them online, but I'll see you. Uh, There's uh, moments when we're up, moments when we're down, times when a Sunday that we're feeling fantastic. And then a Sunday where uh, things are not going as well. Or perhaps you're here, but your mind is somewhere else thinking, worrying, concerned about things that you can't control while you're here. Amen. But the Lord is a, hes just a mighty God. He blesses us. One of the things I, that I enjoy and, and focus in so often is how God lavishly blesses us. Lavishly. There should never be a question whether God wants goodness in your life. He always wants goodness. He always wants to pour out His favor upon us. Sometimes it doesn't happen because the the, the Johnny Pump is opened over here, and we're playing over there. For those who are not in the city, a Johnny Pump is a fire hydrant sprinkling water into the urban city during the summer. Anybody grew up in the city here? Know what I'm talking about? The Johnny Pump? Johnny on the Pony and all that stuff? Ringolivio? No? You're making believe you don't know. You know. Uh, Johnny Pump. That's what we call the Johnny Pump, the hydrant. But if you're not there, you're not going to get the, the blessing. Of refreshing water in the middle of August. And that's the same thing. Oftentimes we don't enjoy God's favor over our lives. Not because God doesn't want to. It's because we're simply out of position. Or we're simply consumed by our own stuff in the moment that we're in. And then we're carrying all these questions that cannot be answered. And we try to go here and there and everywhere. And we in fe- instead of having satisfaction for the question our questions become multiplied. In fact, speaking of questions, I want to preach today on the question, what if? What if you were born on the other side of the track? What if you should have stayed married? Well, what if? What if that last decision was not the right decision? Or what if it was? And I just want to explore with you using the story in the book of Acts, And try to guide all of us, including myself, to try and answer or respond to that question. What if? What if? Did I research this enough? Did I wait before I jumped? Uh, Did I... whatever. What if? And the answer to that question is different for each person gathered here. Because a lot of that depends on your context, on your experience, on your journey in life. On a history of bad decisions or a history of pretty good decisions. Or perhaps the decision that you're facing now, which has repercussions upon people that follow. So follow me as we we look at this text, because I think there's some strong teachings as well for leadership. Whether you're running an organization, whether you're the head of a project at your office and whether you're involved in ministry or not, or whether you're the main person, lead person of a home, uh, what if your decisions, the things that you decide to do, the choices you make, as we will see in the verses here that I want to explore with you, uh, have ramifications for you, but also for others. If, If someone is driving a car filled with people and they make reckless decisions, and the car ends up going off track and... God forbid, smashing into someone. The poor decisions of the driver has affected innocent people sitting in the car. Hallelujah. You with me? If you try to open up an, uh, an airplane door, as we heard this week, somebody right, was flying in the air, but they had to tackle them down? because The plane was flying at whatever. I don't know how, how high the plane was flying, but try to open the door. That one decision of, your, uh, of a moment of, uh, of reaction uh, can have incredible ramifications to a whole crowd. The book, of, uh, the book of Acts is a very interesting book. It's called actually the Acts of the Apostles. And it's really written, um, and it takes its springboard from the birth of the church, the day of Pentecost. If you start reading Acts, written by Luke, by the way, who was a doctor, a scientific mind. So when he saw and analyzed things, he, he analyzed it very, very black and white, very on or off. Very little ambiguity. You could almost read Luke, Luke, as I've taught this book before here in the church, as almost a reporter reporting incidences that they saw, trying not to inject their own preferences and simply reporting on the situation. So Luke is writing this letter, and what he's actually doing is kind of annotating the discoveries of the new church, of this new emerging faith, faith, I should say, because now Jesus had died, he had been buried, resurrected, ascended, went on to be with the Father, and now there's this gap between him no longer being here on earth and now this group of believers that saw him as the Messiah, the promised one, and now we're following the way and they're trying to get their bearing. And in the middle of all of that, we find the book of Acts starting to make and con- make those connections with us between experience and faith, and faith and experience. So he's writing, and what he's doing here, he's just simply annotating. And some would suggest that the book of Acts is really not totally finished we can continue reading chap- uh, writing rather chapters of the book of Acts because it's the history of the church, the starting of the church and then what has happened as things have progressed. This church by the way the name primitive with you know it's, a, it's an awkward name for some the name primitive actually has its connection to the the church of the Apostles of the first century. in the Spanish it's actually rendered more beautifully. But when you translate it into the English, it loses some of the significance. And it really is a church, a body of believers that is following in the footsteps of the gospel of Jesus Christ once Christ now has ascended, is at the right hand of the Father. So it's very much in tune to what we do today. So if you read the book of Acts, you'll find the explosion of the day of Pentecost. And Peter, who had never preached a sermon, all of a sudden you find him preaching a sermon. And thousands of people are impacted. And then he, if you break it down, and he preaches in here, please make sure you break down his sermon. It's, so, it, 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 it's rich with Christology, it, uh, items and remembrances of Christ. It's rich with Old Testament or Torah, uh, or writings of antiqu- antiquity that help to uh, strengthen and bolster his message or his guiding into this new experience called the way. The way it, it was what it was called, the way uh, of Christ. And so Peter, who was really someone who had, you know Peter's story, he was like some people that you know, no, nobody here, people that you know, but nobody here, you know, Peter was impulsive and Peter would chop people's head off and miss and cut their ears off and he, he spoke what he said, he, he was not diplomatic, he would start World War IX for sure, because he was not diplomatic. But God has a way of taking things that the world rejects and refurbishing it and redoing it and rebuilding it and reclaiming it, whatever re you want to do, he just rebuilds us and makes the unacceptable acceptable. Come on, can you say hallelujah? And so Peter, amazing, and then and the disciples along the way. And No, 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 no. I mean, I could, I could teach on this forever uh, on this part, but the, you find. And then what happens is Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he places certain events that took place in the early church that through the urging and prompting of the Holy Spirit would have significance for us even today. And that's where this text comes in in chapter 6. He, he uh, uh, writes for us and, rem- and has us remember. And then one of the things here on chapter, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 5. I said chapter 6, f- chapter 5. If you look at chapter 5, the beginning, you notice we're starting on, chap- on verse 17 on. Well, the first part is a very familiar story to us. That's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Remember that story of disobedience? That they went in and they said, yes, yeah, this is all the money. Because back then, how many people thank God for tithing? For those that are new, tithing is giving ten percent of your income. How many are really joyous and happy about tithing? Because because some people say it's not really in the Bible. So let's go to what the Bible said. They used to bring all of their profits to the feet of the disciples. How many people like tithing now? <laughs> all of their profits. Everything, houses, whatever—they brought it to the feet of. The, anyway, so he, they come in and they, you know, it was basically a, a, a trust thing. You, you gave what you, you know, you, you said it was, and you were being on it, an honor system. And they were caught, obviously, not by man, but the Holy Spirit came and 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 began to intervene in the disobedience that was found in people like Ananias and Sapphira. And then we know the story: the wife was, the husband was killed, the wife was killed, and on and on. And people went crazy. And this story here now where they have this meeting and there's a reaction now to the apostles is really a direct consequence of Ananias and Sapphira and the story that led up to that. Because what they were doing now is preaching and teaching the good news. If the apostles were guilty of anything, it wasn't because they danced too much, they sang too much, they believe in women in ministry or not in ministry, you know, and all the things that we argue about today. They were guilty Of speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as a result, the religious people, not spiritual people, the religious people got all upset. And they decided that they were going to put a stop to this. And that's where we pick up the story now. The apostles are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They're moving forward, uh, spreading the good news so that people can come and embrace Christ as the promised one. The religious people, Sadducees and Pharisees and the religious people of the time, were not happy what was going on, so they decided to intervene. And that's where we pick up the story. If you follow with me, what I want to do is in a very expository way, look at some of these, uh, I'll put the verses together, and give you what I get from that and what I think applies to us today. And we start off with verse 17 of chapter 5. He says, then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. And what the writer here is telling us, these were significant religious leaders. These were not lay people, these were significant religious leaders in their own right and recognized as such in the city. And they were filled with jealousy, don't you? And I, I won't teach jealousy, we'll teach jealousy some other time. But jealousy will make you imagine things that aren't really there. You'll put two and two together and get nine because that's what your brain and your emotions are saying and jealousy tells you that why are you blessing them and not blessing me why are you taking care of them and why is it always bad for me and, and good for someone else jealousy is not a healthy trait to have inside of us it makes you do things that are foolish and destructive to others as we see here so they were filled with jealousy and they went forward and then it says in the verses here that they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail and oftentimes when we see that verse that says public jail, we figure, well, they're in the house of detention, waiting arraignment. <laughs> but no, it wasn't that like, like that at all. It was, a, it was a, a place of separation, a place of darkness, a, plain, a place of abuse, a place of being forgotten. forgotten. That's what the, the jail was, the public jail was. It was a place where you were immediately, pl- and immediately when you were placed there, you were already looked at being ju- uh, guilty. It's not like now we have this premise here in this country about innocent until proven guilty. There you were already guilty. You were thrown in jail. And it was done in a public fashion. So watch me on this one because this is very, it's key to us. It says that they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. And then it says, during the night, an angel. Watch this. I have a strange way of looking at the text sometimes. It took a bunch of guys to get them in jail. And it took an angel to get them out the devil has to get a bunch of people talking against you coming up again and god just has to send an angel to get you out come on anybody know what i'm talking about or where i'm going here an angel i read somewhere in scripture that greater is he who is with us than he who is in the world and as we've been singing, he is unstoppable, unchangeable. But sometimes we forget and we think circumstances. This is it for me. No more. I'm never going to make it to 2018. I don't know if I can get through this summer. Oh, this problem. Oh, me, oh, my. The doctor said did. The doctor said that. Oh, my, oh, my goodness. My kids, I can't control them anymore. I have no more money. This is the end. Oh, whoa, oh, oh, oh. whoa. Where's, where's the nearest cemetery? Come on, let's clap and give the Lord praise for the clap offering. Seems to be hitting home. We feel like we've given up. Because, oh, you ever felt like they're pushing me from that side, that side, that side, that side, that, all over. I'm surrounded. All he needs to do is send one. One. That day that you were going to commit suicide, he sent one. That day that you thought it was all over, he sent one. That day when you thought your world was all, it no sense he sent one. That day when the doctor said this, God said one. 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 I I love his math. Well, you're not doing anything. I'm going to rejoice. I love his math. I love his math. <laughs> it says they arrested the apostles, put him in a public jail during the night. The other thing, and Dr. Wins talks about this a lot. God sometimes does his best work at night. Pick up Dr. Wins preaching on that. He does his best work at night. Hallelujah. It says during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. And he brought them out with a word saying, go stand in the temple court, that's the public square, and tell the people all about this news. In other words, he's telling them, go, I'm setting you free, but now go back and do what I told you to do. And the point I want to make here on these few verses is the following. Sometimes in your darkest moments... When you're in the public prison of problems, of sickness, of family upheaval, of internal turmoil where depression has overwhelmed you. And it seems like you're locked up and it's dark here, dark there, dark everywhere. There's no way to get out. Sometimes in those darkest moments, God shows up. Isn't it true? In that moment when you feel like you're going to blow up, I can't. You ever did this prayer? I can't take it anymore. God has a way from heaven and sending a ray of of light into our darkest moments and helping us to get through and then telling us to go back on track and do what he told us to do in the first place. Because church, when we do what God told us to do, when we fulfill our purpose in life, whatever that might be, even through turmoil and difficulty and people not being on your side or whatever it might be, God will always defend you and send you back to do exactly what he told you to do in the first place. Prison should not stop you from saying and doing what God told you to do. Depression should not stop you from moving forward in your passion and purpose in life. Problems should not stop you at all. In our darkest moments, and I don't know about you, but that encourages me. In the darkest moments, in the the pit of of the hell of our situations, where it seems like darkness is surrounding us, and, and we're caught up in the middle of a prison cell of life. God has a way of showing up and he sends one angel to get us out with a word of get up and get going. Get out, go to the temple court. Get out and go to the public square and start doing what I put you on this earth to do. Come on, say, the, say a hallelujah or something with me right now. You see that there in the text? See in the text? Very powerful. You're in your darkest moments, God shows up. I never t- thank God for problems. I never thank God for g- sending trials and difficult moments my way. But I constantly thank God that he shows up in those moments. Hallelujah. When you think it's all over, it is not over. When you think that that that's it, it's the end. No, it is not the end. It's sometimes the beginning of a new beginning, of a new journey, of a repositioning in God. Even the God's purpose of bringing you here, you went through the track of religiosity. This church, that church, and everywhere a church, church. And then one day you end up showing up here and something happened. It isn't anything we, we didn't say anything different. We didn't preach anything different. Is that something clicked inside and it was the moment of the light of God shining in your heart and say, this is the day. Now get going and start doing what I told you to do. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Woo. But Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. It says then, go stand in the temple court, he said, and tell the people all about this news. In jail at in, at night, in the darkest moment, an angel shows up, sets them free. Go stand and tell the good news. Look at verse, the the second part of verse twenty-one. It says, "At daybreak, they entered the temple court, as they had been told, and began again to preach." Now, now, now watch this. Maybe I'm the only one that sees this, but sometimes. God requires that we remain obedient in the most inconvenient moments. So look around the room. Some of you got up this morning and said, this morning, when the clock rang or whatever, church again? (laughs) There's no parking there. But what did you do? Obedience is not that I feel like doing it. Obedience is that I have to do it. And when you, we, when you uh, interpret obedience in the gospel, it is to voluntarily place me, place myself under the submission of a higher authority. That means God does not have to... It's like when I, when I was growing up, I've told you before, I'm the 11th of 12, and there were certain situations in our family life where I, my father just said something. He didn't ask me, what do you think, number 11? <laughs> He didn't say that in Spanish or in English. He's the man of the house. We're very Latino in my growing up. And he just made a decision. There was no appeal. There was no, Mommy, what do you think? What did your father say? In life, and and I'm talking about now the major decisions in life, stop trying to figure out the A, B, C, and D logic behind what's stirring inside of me. And go with that wiggle in your belly and go with the prompting in your heart that you know that it's the right thing to do. But we're waiting to cognitively line up the argument. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God sometimes works that way. But sometimes he... Imagine if, if Peter, when he was going to walk on water, before he steps out, he said, hold, hold on. hold Jesus said, come, walk on water. He said, well, hold, hold on, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Based on my scientific exploration... <laughs> Of what you're requesting me to do, there is no proof in any kind of research, whether it's any science school, that water has sufficient sufficient mass to be able to sustain the weight of an individual. Particularly when you look at the square footed square foot uh, measurements of the bottom of someone's foot, there is just not enough matter to be able to sustain. The molecules are not strong enough. H or two or O are not strong enough to say. Su- when Jesus said, "Come," no time to figure it out just step out and do it and sometimes in the most inconvenient moments god is asking us to be obedient can you just be obedient the the problem here with the prison had not been resolved the high priest was still upset the religious people were still trying to stop them from teaching but you have to decide in your in your heart who you're going to obey Who's going to be the higher ruling and authority in your life? Is it going to be the polls? Is it going to be popularity? Is it going to be what I, what, what I feel comfortable? Many times the Lord asks us to do things that are not comfortable to do. But in obedience we submit and we do it, to, we do it because he said God requires, even in the most inconvenient moments, he requires obedience from us. At daybreak they, were still dealing, they had just gotten out of jail. And sometimes inconveniences just, uh, that's just an inconvenience. You have to do it. Get up in the morning and go. Uh, when God says you have to do, do it, When we have our 21-day fast in January, right? Not every one of the 21-day fasts, or if you're, you follow me along for the entire month of January, some mornings, eggs, bacon, and would be nice. Or coffee. Well, no bacon. I don't do the meat, but oatmeal would be nice. But when you give your word, come on now. Obedience. Come on, say hallelujah if you can. If you can't, then don't say anything. Just look like you get it, but don't don't say anything. (laughs) Obey God even when it's inconvenient. They went out to the public square and they began to do what God had told them to do before. Let's go on. The next observation I want to make with you is verses 21, the second part through 26. But I want to park on this. It says, when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin. All right? the full assembly of the elders of Israel, the religious side, and sent to the jail for the apostles. Go get those guys that we locked up. I love this verse. I underlined it in my my Bible. I love it. The next part, he says, but when they arrived at the jails, the officers did not find them there. I don't know what that says to you. Let me tell you what it says to me. Let me tell you what this says to me. (laughs) Listen. I'm talking to myself, I'm not talking to you, you all disappear. But this is what it says to me. It says, don't, I hear the Lord saying, don't let the enemy find you locked up. I was in jail, but now I'm in the public square being obedient. You were a fool enemy to think I was still in jail. That's why you went over there to try and find me in jail. But God sent one angel that opened the door and sent me out here. So devil, yeah, 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 I'm not over there and you're never going to catch me over there because if I've been set free by the Lord, I am really, really, really set free. Come on, say hallelujah if you can. Go look for me there, but I'm not there. Go look for me over there, but I'm not there. I'm at the place of obedience, at the place of moving in the call of God over my life that that's why listen listen to me closely stop referring to yourself in your past life god has decided god is omniscient god is all-knowing he's all-powerful he's sovereign satisfied within himself has to give account to no one god doesn't want to he could but he doesn't want to remember your past that's when you were in jail bound up he well what does the enemy do the enemy always says yeah but remember remember God decides it's not that God forgets let me just teach you a little bit here because sometimes you say no he doesn't remember no no no. he can remember because if he forgets that means he is human like you and I and by saying that God forgets we are taking away the deity aspect of God God knows everything oh oh, I'm gonna blow up in a second God knows everything at all times so what happens he chooses he chooses he, cho- he makes a choice within himself in his sovereignty. He chooses to forget, to not remember my past. So don't let the enemy keep you in jail. You're no longer locked up. You're no longer in prison. You're no longer what you used to be. A piece of obedience honoring the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord with me right now. Because that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. Come on, praise God with me for a moment. Have a hallelujah moment. Oh my goodness oh my goodness yeah. Woo. oh sit, sit down I'm getting all excited now come on we gotta we got be we have visitors and we have people watching us so we gotta be I love the fact that the enemy went to get me where I am no longer let him be confused baffled let him look around. He, he's not gonna find and, and 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 you're here, he's not gonna find you in that place of despair. And he shouldn't be in the place of obedience, honoring the Lord. Be in the place of the public square and not back there. Let the enemy be confused. I love that part of the I under, you better underline it if it's for you. I underlined it. He said, we went back there, but we couldn't find them. They're not there. There was no one there. We could not find them. Don't let the enemy find you still locked up. That's the place of defeat. That's the place of depression. That's the place of destruction. God has pulled you out. If he has set you free, stand in the place of obedience. Come on now. And honor the Lord and move in the Lord and sing a song unto the Lord and worship him and celebrate the victory. You are not defeated. You are not defeated. You are not defeated. You're not what you were. You are a new creation in Christ. Royal priesthood. You are the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Hallelujah. 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 I was recently in a, in a, in a, in a service in New Jersey. Uh, my friend, um, Bishop Curtis Douglas, was being consecrated as bishop, as presiding bishop over their organization. Huge service. And I'm there, and the preacher that was there, a, a nationally renowned uh, preacher in the African-American um, um, AME Church, tremendous older gentleman, and Dr. Bryant. And he made a statement that went, pff, blew through my heart, man. And he says, you know, God doesn't deal in throwaways. Don't let yourself feel like a throwaway. You're not an addendum to God's plan. You're not an also added on. God has a plan and purpose. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but God has a plan and purpose over your life. And you're fighting it, you're struggling with it, but you need to just obey. Don't try and figure it out. Don't try and remember the offensive things that were said in the past. That's in the prison. Let the devil find that in the prison. But stand in the place of obedience before the Lord and just move forward. Yes. He doesn't throw away anyone. God isn't, Pastor Enid had mentioned it in a in in prayer and comments, that God, he wants to restore us, reclaim us, bring us back to the fall. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering of praise. Otherwise, I won't move on. I'm like stuck on this one. <laughs> So one, in your darkest moments, God shows up. Two, obey God even when it's inconvenient. Three, don't let the enemy find you still locked up. Verse 27 of the text we're considering says the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin. That's the government, the religious uh, uh, governing body. If you read the New Testament, you'll find that name or that title, that group Mentioned often to be questioned by the high priest. So now they're being, you know, they're going out to the Supreme Court. (laughs) So they were brought in. Sanhedrin now brings them before the high priest. And they tell him, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. We told you and commanded you. And if this was a more current version, it would say, We told you to shut up. (laughs) That's what we was saying. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet, you filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Remember, there was jealousy that was driving this group of opposition. And Peter and the other disciples, I love this. Look, you need to underline this too. Peter now, and Peter, you know, he's impetuous. He calls it the way it is. you know. Peter's the type of guy, you would invite him one day to your house for coffee and hot chocolate, but he's so honest that you might not invite him the second time. (laughs) That's Peter. Peter was, I'm saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, moving forward, but he had that, you know somebody like that, right? You know, probably in your life. No one's here that way, but Peter and the other disciples replied because they had just told him, we told you not to, to, to preach that. We told you. You were instructed. We threw you in jail, and here you are. We told you. Peter says, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from, the and then he starts telling the story. See, the mistake we make is we we try to defend. When opposition comes, we try to defend based on our achievements. But I've been a member of the church with distinction for 35 years. My family built that wall. My previous generation brought all those ten rows of seats that you're sitting. You see that pulpit that Pastor Mark is preaching for? My family. And we try to defend ourselves by, I've been saved, sanctified, filled with God, and moving, and I've had, you know, I've been ordained forever. And we try to defend the attack by our stuff. Let me teach you a lesson that I've applied it to myself. Just talk about Jesus. The King of kings is He. The Lord of all supreme throughout eternity. He said, I am the way. <laughs> the tr- You know the song. Just refer. Look, look what he's saying. He referred it back to Jesus. He said, let me tell you. You told me. You commanded me. But let me tell you who you're commanding me not to speak of. Let me speak of, of that person who you're telling me not to speak of. And, and God is very good at defending himself. He's very good at defending himself. Sometimes we go into a defense mode where we don't have to. He says, who are we going to obey? God, our, uh, raised, uh, uh, of our, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, uh, whom you killed and hanged on the cross. God exalted him to, uh, to, uh, to his own right hand as prince and savior. And he, what he's doing is he's preaching to them what they were talking already in the public square. They had a hard time receiving Christ as the Messiah, but they went, he went right there. Yes. Right there. Not, and not for the sake of in your face, but because he was so filled with this message of truth, of light, that had transformed him, he couldn't help talking about it. He says, we are witnesses of these things, and so, and so is the Holy Spirit who God has given to those who obey him. We, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. They did want, not want to hear that. Here's the statement that I want to make for you based on this text. This is item number four. You really have to figure out for yourself who you're going to serve. Stop complaining that we sing too long, don't sing enough, stand up too long, we sit down too long, we have too much air conditioning, less air conditioning, we should go back to pews, take the carpet out, make it blue, buy a van, build five floors, nine floors, change the preacher, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Life is filled with too much stuff. You need to make a decision in your life, and you need to make the decision today, I'm going to follow not after a man, a religion, a theology. It's like the guy in the Bible. I I don't know where he comes from, where he's going. I just know that I was blind. Has he done anything for you? Has he changed? Has has there been a change in your life? And I'm not talking about maybe we should do, read a uh, a part of the gospel, maybe a little bit of the Old Testament and do the Apostles' Creed or or pre-trip, post-trip, everywhere, trip, trip. Get away from that make a decision who you're going we're going to follow someone even by default you're going to follow someone and you need to make a decision and that's what he's saying here he, you know he's saying you know we, we have to we have to call the shot for ourselves now i know the decisions and sometimes part of my pastoral heart just weeps before the lord when people you know they, they, they just don't decide and weeks, months, and years pass by and they're on, on this balance. Make a decision. Figure out who you're going to obey. Regardless of what it might cost, uh, I lean toward always obeying God. Speak and live your experiences in the gospel. Stop complaining about him, her, church. Every church has problems. As long as church have people, we're always going to have problems. Stop, stop elevating this pulpit too high. The men and women that occupy these pulpits are are human just like you are, with temptations and frailties just like you are. And we have the path, the same path you have. If I slip and fall and make a mistake, I've got to go through confession before the Lord, consecration before the Lord, commitment before the Lord, and celebration before the Lord. That's the most important thing. And oftentimes we elevate. And what happens when you have expectations on, on situations that can't meet your expectations, you're going to get frustrated. And then you'll broad brush. All preachers are the same. All churches are the same. I have, I'm anti, I, I have church injuries. I don't even know what that looks like. You ever heard people say, I have church injuries. What is that? That you were climbing the stair, changing the light bulb, and you fell? And now you got a sprained ankle? What? That you were making copies downstairs for the program, and you got a paper cut? What is a church injury? And oftentimes, and I, I, I don't mean to be comical about it. I just want to confront reality. Come on. Come on. It's too far. There's a church right across the street from you. It's too early. New York City? Are you kidding me? You've got to be able to find some church that meets your general criteria. And this, you know me, church. I'm not here about making having more members. Numbers don't impact me. What impacts me is transform lives. Individuals that are transformed. Make a decision. Stop the complaining. Move away from they don't do this, they don't do that get involved and you do it what's our theme our theme for our church is uh, united in word in worship and in works of service so get involved you don't like how they're cleaning come on clean up you don't like how we're evangelizing come on and evangelize you don't like how we're the ushers come in and ush <laughs> hallelujah make a decision it's like standing on the jump uh, on the diving board of a swimming pool, and you're behind the person, and the person doesn't go. Yesterday, I was at the uh, driving the car. Right, the guy's in front of me. Oh, it was a woman driving a car. She was in front of me. The light changed, Now, I'm not blaming it. That wasn't a gender statement, by the way. I know some of the ladies here reacted. No, 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 no. One of the best NASCAR, you know, I'm into cars. One of the best NASCAR drivers is, is Danica, right? She's a young lady that can race incredibly. So, but it happened to be a woman. If it would have been a man, I would have said a man. Okay, it was a woman and the light changed and i don't know if she was doing makeup doing her hair i don't know what she was doing i don't that cannot be sexist that cannot because if you want i can be very guarded in what i say and you'll never know the real me i grew up with five sisters so there's no and they're all older than me there's no way i could be sexist there's just no way. I'm, I'm reporting what happened. <laughs> happened to be a lady. Where was I going with this, Debbie? No, I know where, I know where I'm going with this. Just letting the ladies calm down a little bit. because You better greet me at the end of the service. A lady is sitting in front of me in a car. She obviously didn't know how to drive like a man. Is that better? Is that better? (laughs) Wait, 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 (laughs) wait. All right, all right. All right, come back, come back. There was a driver in front of me. Were better? Is it more better? There was a driver in front of me in a car. This, I won't describe what it was, although I know exactly what it was. And the light changed. No pedestrians were crossing. And this driver, whose gender would we'll remain unhonest right now, <laughs> sat there. And I thought for a moment this driver, whose gender I don't know, needs to react and go or get out of the way. But I'm trying to be courteous. But the person behind me, who was not as courteous, as pastoral, and as gentle-hearted as I am, not only honked the horn until the horn went hoarse, but I'm certain they were gesturing some funny things with their hands. And honked the horn, and the per- if the person would have stood there, they- I couldn't go right or left. That's the point I'm making. Sometimes people stand in the way you need to move, move over. If it's not for you, that's fine. If I'm on a food line and I'm hungry and you don't like what's on the food line, get off the food line because I'm hungry. And it has direct application to our walk with the Lord. Stop the complaining. Stop the bickering. If the Lord's been good to you, serve the Lord. Follow after him. And you know what? No matter what changes would happen either here or other places, you will always find the path of faith always figure out who you're going to be uh believe, uh obey and then once you figure it out speak and live your experience they can argue your theology they can argue your interpretation of the text i mean that's what sem- that's how seminaries stay alive they make all the money doing that it's true they say it's endowment but your journey your experience it doesn't matter whether they believe or not and you know what i'm talking i'm looking around the room you know lord it wasn't the chemo and the radiation and the uh, it was god that worked the miracle say that you didn't lose your mind remember that bellevue was ringing in your mind all the time you thought you would be there forever and God came in touch your mind and healed you and restored you it wasn't the great doctor that you had it wasn't the wonderful it was God talk that talk that talk that that day that you thought it was all over for you that day that you thought this is the lot that I have I'm always going to be frustrated and depressed for the rest of my life I'm already 30 40 however you're old you might be this is it you shut the door on living in joy and what happens the Lord comes in and he changed you Figure out who you're going to obey and then speak and live your experience with the gospel. Hallelujah. The the next observation is this. I got to get going. Verse 34, 35, and 36, 34 to 38. But there's only a few things I want to get out of here. Now, let me tell you what this point is. This point, the first one was, in your darkest moments, God shows up. Number two was, God obeys even when, when it's inconvenient. The other observation it has don't let the enemy find you still locked up. The fourth observation was, figure out who you will obey. And the fifth one is, God will always lift up a voice of wisdom. These these religious people, high priests come against now. These who were thought of in the... In the, in the, in the uh, in the book of Acts, were thought of people that sh- did not deserve speaking with such knowledge. They were unlearned, it says in the book in the beginning of the book of Acts. And so now these powerful people with title come against them, and what happens? From among them, <laughs> God lifts up a word of wisdom. It says, "But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, and if you if you study that a little further, a real real scholar in that period." And Luke gives us some information on him. He says, Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all people, a person of distinction. And, and he was part of the Sanhedrin. A guy that when he spoke, even if people did not agree, they would listen to him. Because he had this balance. It's like in our, in our journey, in our lives, there's some individuals that whether you agree or don't agree, just the fact that they're speaking and you have the opportunity to hear them, you stop for a moment and reflect. You know, you, I mean, I could use historical figures and biblical figures as well. I mean, you look at uh, Ma- Nelson Mandela. You, when he speaks, you have to stop a moment. And, right? You have to, okay, he's got something to say. Uh, FDR, uh, Roosevelt, you have to stop and, let's see. Others you, you discard, but some people of stature, you're not thinking of what political party they might be. These are people that have significance, and you even if you don't agree, you stop. And that was Gamaliel. He was an individual that was recognized, not because of his title, but simply because of the person who he, that he was. And I want to use this example to encourage our, our, our senior people among us among us. And that is let's use the wisdom that is not just learned in seminary and in training, but life has a way of teaching us. And and use that to teach and to mentor other individuals. Don't dictate their lives, but impress upon them what your experience of wisdom has been. You know, it's like when you, 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 your mom, my mom used to say something, you know, she'd never finished university, and she's none of that, but she had life experience, so when she said something, stop for a moment and reflect it, and thought about it, because it has significance, and I want to encourage those that are here, and those that are, have gone, and have mileage, if you will, from life, Use that as collateral to help individuals, those that have been married a long time. Speak to the, the Bible talks about that about the women, the older women in Proverbs, you know, pour into the younger women. I want to expand that. Guys that are here and you battled through whatever you battled in life, use that as an example, use yourself as a message to help others so Gamaliel stands up and he stood up in the Sanhedrin and he ordered that the men be put out Peter and the other crowd be put out for a little while then he goes on and he addresses the Sanhedrin I mean the the group that's gathered there and he starts to be very careful he doesn't if you read it carefully he's not taking the sides of anyone he's using historical information to make them reflect on what they're doing and if you read it very carefully you will see he says some others that came up And he's using specific examples that they knew. For the sake of time, I won't go into that. Some people that that came up, not only were they off, but they dragged a whole bunch of people who followed them innocently. That's the example I gave earlier of someone recklessly driving a car with people inside. Innocent people get hurt because of your recklessness. And so Gamaliel is using wisdom. He's not taking sides, defending either. He's saying, let's take a look at history. And if you look at history, which you know very well, so-and-so and so-and-so and -and and -and so-and-so made decisions. And they have people following them. And, And the admonition for us here, if you're the head of a household, be careful. You know, and I've said this before, I've taught this before here. A little child that's cursing, that child that's using foul language, they learned that at home. Don't blame that little boy, little girl. They learn that at home. If they learn to be disrespectful, they learn that at home. I've used the example. Here. I've been pastoring here for a while, and I'm, my wife and I, were tithers. I didn't learn how to tithe in this church. I learned that at home. I saw my parents, my mom and my dad, and they taught us. And we have to realize that when you're the head of the household, even if you're a woman raising children and there's no male there, I'm, this is not a gender statement. You, you're the head of a household. Be aware that your children, the little ones, are watching you, watching you. And if you make the wrong decision, and what happens in life, the more you're around, and the higher God takes you, the more careful you have to be, ma- you have to be in making decisions. Because like the story, it will affect innocent people, and you'll take them down the tubes as well. Hallelujah. You have to be very careful. You, if you're in ministry, you have to uphold, uh, obediently uphold, what God has called you to do. And, and sometimes it's inconvenient. And not everyone can do that, but you need to. Why? Because the minute you step out of line, it's going to affect a whole trail of innocent people. Innocent people. And so Gamaliel here stands up. And God will always lift up a word of wisdom. What happens is that sometimes we're so depressed about being depressed and about being frustrated and disconnected that we don't listen to the voices that are around us. Or we listen to the wrong voices. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why I'm big. Don't stay away too long. You have to come worship. Because God, in a song, in a greeting, or somehow, he's going to speak into your life. And I won't be so presumptuous to say that in every sermon, God's going to speak to you. No, 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 no. But I know in your experience here, and you you have to hear it live. You can't hear it on tape. You have to hear it live. God is speaking into your life. And the longer you stay away from your walk of faith, the, the further you're going to get away from God. Trust me when I'm telling you that trust me when i'm telling you that you have to stay engaged and connected with the lord we started the church here in january reading scripture stay with the scripture you fall behind get back on it again we're, we're, we're committed to reading scripture every single day through the end of the year and if you fall behind i know life and i know i know i know things happen get back on track spend less time on facebook and a few more minutes on reading and you'll, you'll catch up in no time come on it's true and then we want, we want to come to church one Sunday. In the last five years, we come to church, and hocus pocus magic, all of a sudden, my life has turned around. No, no. Discipline is tough. Discipline is tough. You've got to do those things that might not be comfortable, but you've got to do them. Oh, come on. I know I have less amens as I'm speaking, but it must be. We can't expect something to happen if we have not. You can't withdraw from an account you have not deposited into. You just can't. And I don't have the right to go into your account, and you can't certainly go into my account. Are you following me? So it's got to be an individual decision that you make, but then listen to the voice of wisdom. And so Gamaliel is used of the Lord, but then he goes on. He says, you know, even Judas appeared uh, at the time of census. He led a band of people in a revolt. He too was killed, and his followers were scattered. And all he's doing, not taking sides, history. Let's look back at what happened. And he says, therefore... In the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. I can imagine the silence in that room right there. God will always lift up a voice of wisdom. Listen to that voice. There's someone observing you who will will advocate on your behalf. God sometimes lifts up the, the, the person you least thought that will speak on your behalf. If you're attempting to live right. If you're attempting to live right. Silence is sometimes the best defense against our accusers. If you know it in the text, they, didn't, they were asked to leave, but nothing was said because everyone was focused on, uh, on, on, on Gamaliel's words. And sometimes it's better not to say. You ever know? Sometimes you say something and you ruin things. Or it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. When I go to the hospital, I'll go out to the doctor for my checkup, and they're going to draw blood, I no longer tell them because if I tell them, you know, I faint, I get dizzy when, when, when they put needles inside of me, you know what happens, right? But I think it in my mind, I'm going to faint, I'm going to faint, I'm going to faint, I'm going to faint. But I don't say it. And praise be to God. You think it's small, but for me it's huge. The last three times I've got to get blood out, I've walked out with a bandit. i got a boo-boo. Oh, i got a boo-boo. Sometimes the things we say become better not to say. Come on, say hallelujah if you can. If you want... you want an assured victory in your life, let God fight for you. Let God fight for you. Finally, church, my last observation, verses 38 and 39. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, Gamaliel is saying, leave these men alone. Let them go. For, and all of that was my now addressing the theme of the message, what if? He says, for, if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it is. Will fail, but 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 if it is of God, you will not be able to stop these men, you will only find yourself fighting God. Woo. But before we clap ourselves happy, you have to know if this is. Come on, I, I've been around the block too many times. Uh, oh, no, I'm going to change him. I'm going to change her. I'm going to change. Oh, I'm gonna, we're going to get married. It'll change afterwards. You saw the signs before. But you were so in love. Make sure, either getting together, getting apart, moving, staying, whatever, ch- switching jobs. You have to fill the blanks. Make sure that God is in it. If God is in it, and you can confirm it in your heart that God is in that enterprise that you're involved in, that book that you're going to write, that whatever it might be that you're going to do, the next step in your life, don't make it. Don't, let's, don't, don't ever say, let's see what happens. Check in with the Lord. Yes. Let him speak into your heart. And, and sometimes it's not an audible voice. It's a prompting. It's a, it's a guidance. It's a, you feel that the path is easier as you're leaning upon the Lord. If it's the Lord, confirm that it is. Move forward. If it's not of the Lord, be careful. Be careful. Because you'll hurt yourself and others behind you. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, not going to stand here and pontificate to you that that breakup is what's supposed to happen. You have to make a decision before the Lord and see. Because the, I, I've sat down with too many adult men and women that are victims of of what's left over of a broken marriage and there's just so much pain there. So much pain. And conversely, be careful the decisions you make. I'm leaving. God told me. You should make sure God told you. I'm going to go. I need warmer weather. I need parking. Whatever. You know, oh, I went and now I didn't know. God knew how it was over there. You obviously didn't check in with him. Check in with him. And if, if, if it's of the Lord, you move forward. If it's not of the Lord, it will consume itself. In one of the other versions of Scripture, this phrase here is rendered twofold. One is, if it's the Lord, it will succeed. If it's not the Lord, it won't succeed. The uh, uh, more exact version of the original writings, it says, and if they don't listen to the advice, that brings another dimension to it. Uh, Don't be an island unto yourself. The major decisions in life, ask people, well, what do you think about? Them? Not and not just anyone. But ask people of confidence. Ask people that you, you feel they can give you. And then get don't fall apart if they give you the answer you didn't want. You know, sometimes the response is not what you were expecting. Because sometimes we say we want the truth, but we really don't want the truth. We want the truth with jelly and butter on it and and go, no, I'm one, I don't I don't I I have a hard time dealing with the truth in the sense of that I have to make changes in my life. I don't like being 64, having less hair, (laughs) more wrinkles, on and on. But it be what it be. You got it? We have to deal with the truth. Yesterday in that wonderful Bollywood party upstairs that we had, it was great. How many were here? Fantastic, I had a great time. I really had a wonderful time. But then at the end, they ruined it for me. They brought out cake. <laughs> and all the ushers passed me by. But I know that I can't have it like that. I don't like it. Don't bake anything from me sugar-free or anything, because I won't eat it if it's sugar-free. <laughs> I'm just using that as an example. But sometimes the truth is not easy to, but you got to you got to you got to face it deal with it and move forward let's stand throughout this place what is your if, what if question let every head be bowed and i want to just call you up and gather you here in the front if if you realize that the lord is has been speaking into your heart a comment that was made, a verse that was read, a song that was sung, or just a greeting from someone, and you feel that this is a different kind of Sunday, different kind of day, and you want to be in that place of obedience before the Lord. I'm not telling you to change anything. Let the Lord work in your life. I'm not here to overload you with do's and don'ts. That, that just is not me. But let the starting point of your transformation be That you establish a throne in your heart for Jesus to sit. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is to voluntarily place yourself under the authority of Christ. Building a seat, a throne in your heart and he sits there and you check in with him. That's the kingdom of God.